heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I, I think, you know, I started hearing this thing. Well, if they can censor the president, they can censor anybody. Now, they really did pull Donald Trump down off the media. But more than that, you know, they really isolated him. And think about it, really. Try to ridicule him. And th- but here's the thing. This was no longer just a, a businessman. This was the president of the United States. We haven't ever seen anything like that before. I mean, they silenced him, basically. And it was a collaborative effort from all the social media titans. They all got together, and it was a one, two, three. What's interesting about some of this is Donald Trump had been very quiet. And I think everybody recognized that. He's thinking, wow, he is like uncharacteristically quiet. Well, was it that, or was it that he just couldn't get a word out because they've censored him so heavily? Uh, Really, it's remarkable that we're even having this conversation and how far social media has uh, gone down the path, I guess which is a shocker. And it really, it's a double-edged sword that I want to talk to you about today on The Voice of a Nation. Absolutely double-edged sword. You know, you want to give, uh, certainly free speech is a constitutional right for all of us. But private companies also have the right to run their operations any which way they choose, no matter how much they offend you, potentially. It gets slippery then because then you get into the fact that uh, Section 230, you've heard this many times, and are they acting like publishers? Or are they acting like social media accounts where you don't get involved in putting your hand on the heavy scale there with the comments and thoughts that come in? We've seen this unravel over the last few years. We've all seen it. And everybody started talking about the censoring and the shadow banning. Remember that? And all of those words you started hearing, oh, a couple of years back now. And it became part of the vernacular. We would just be talking about it, saying, you know, what's what's really going on? And now Trump puts this whole thing right out there now. And now you really got to question what's really going on. So with the quietness of Trump, that all just sort of changed here this week. If you've noticed and paid attention to the news cycle and you've seen that uh, he has now a class action suit that he is at the top of the heap with and suing back these uh, big tech titans, if you will. Um, So let's spell that out a little bit more and dive into a couple of things here to understand what is he really doing? Because this area is really a lot, it's very confusing actually, because on the flip side over here, you have a lot of these new social media accounts coming off the ground and there's a ton of them. It's hard to keep up, quite frankly. There's a lot of them. Some of them are going to catch on and some are not. But every one thing I've noticed though about conservatives and Republicans in general is most of them are waiting to see where Trump lands. They, they all, that, that to, to them, they, they think that's the moment. They like, if he's not on that platform or that platform, like they're running their social media campaigns and their lives around, where is Donald Trump going to be? And that just begins to solidify the hold that Trump has on the Republican party, really. Many Republicans or many rhinos don't like that at all. They don't want to hear that. 
You know, for those people, they find Trump as a cancer. But then the MAGA movement and the people that were all on board with what Trump was doing, they they definitely want to know where he's landed so they can go and be part of whatever it is. But, you know, Trump hasn't come out yet and done that. You're, you're hearing this new account called Getter, G-E-T-T-R. I do want to touch on that today. Very interesting. Uh, this is probably the closest I've seen that has set up toward Twitter. Uh, as far as style-wise, I'm talking about now, and ease of use and certain things they seem to get right that I noticed they didn't get right on Gab or Poller or Mines or CloudTub or there's a litany of them, man. I, I don't even know. There's more than I even know. Oh, then you have uh, Mike uh, Lindell's as well. Don't forget Frank, Frank speech, I believe they call it, right? You got all that. So, you know, there's more on the menu coming up, which truth be told should have happened a few years ago. But again, Republicans and conservatives, like everything else in the media, they left it to the left to control, just like the kids. I was griping and bitching about this five, six years ago before it was even comfortable to talk about this stuff, what was happening in the Marxist left and the takeover of our the megaphone of America. I've been talking about this for years before it was even fashionable to talk about it because it, it really... It, it was a moment that was very obvious to me that something was going on in the way the left had taken over everything and the right was sitting there. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight out. I think the right, a lot of times, they act like crying little, crying little bitches. That's what I see them. They just sit there and complain and cry. And a lot of people do that out there. And I find a lot on the right do that. Oh, they won't let us do that. They're shadow being in there. Yeah, it's just bitch, 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 bitch. But yet, and I'm talking about, but yet they didn't move the ball forward. Now, all of a sudden, the Republicans and the rights are figuring out, wow, I guess we better own some of this stuff. <laughs> and maybe we should take the kids out of the Marxist school system. I was like, shit, I could have had a V8. I mean, how much would have happened for them to really know that we have a problem here in America? Yeah, you know, I mean, truth is, people, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. You know, it's that victim, victor mentality, right? You're either you're either a victor and you're moving forward in life, or you're sitting there whining and bitching all day as a victim. Which is it? So, you know, I, I call it out as I see it, and I. I think, uh, you know, we've been uh, reaping the benefits and the rewards of being lazy and being on the sidelines and not doing a damn thing as the Marxist left have taken over the country. That's pretty sickening, quite frankly. Now a lot of people are grasping for fire, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But now they're pretty far down the road. So it, it, there's a lot of catching up to do is what I suggest to you, you know. So Trump now is uh, suing. He's got uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Those are at the top of that list that they're suing that class action suit. And, you know, and, and again, what, what really has annoyed me is like when Facebook just recently went to their, uh, what do you call it, their panel or theme of uh, oligarchs there. They put everything in a program. They package. They so, well, we got to talk to them and see if it's permissible to reinstate Trump's account. Like they have the total control over everybody. And at that point, I was hoping Trump would have fired back in the media and said, hey, take that Facebook and stick it where the sun don't shine. But he didn't say that. In fact, he didn't say much at all. He had been very quiet, so even when the media was saying, and like YouTube, well, we can't put him back on YouTube. He's a, he's a hazard to our national security. Can't have him there. 
I mean, these people think they're the protectors of the American system, you see? It's, it's outrageous. I think where we're gonna find the slippery slope in all this people is this, in a nutshell. These titans, this big tech, this oligarch system of lunatics, they are in partnership with big government, with Washington DC, with the establishment, without a doubt. Everybody knows it. Don't, don't even act like you don't know that. If you're a Democrat, oh, I don't really, oh, you think so? <laughs> There's not a doubt. There's not a doubt. It's been lock and step through all of these, throughout the election, throughout the Capital Six deal, and all the way since then, because they know what's coming ahead. They know there's an election. There's a midterm in 2022 that could, again, change the fabric of political power in America. So everybody's going to be out for the steal and out to do everything they can to secure that power, which is why we're seeing the power grab from the far left. Because I think, again, I'll tell you right now, the Democrat Party is gone. But I think the left, I think they're also kind of, and I know this doesn't, may, may not make a lot of sense to you, but it does to me. I think they're at the end of their rope. I think that's why they're grasping and desperate to secure the power. No, yeah, they, they own a lot of this stuff. I'm not suggesting they don't. But I think they realize that America as a whole is not with them on any level of any of the things we're talking about, that they've lost America, which is why they're trying to do a lot of the policies they're trying to do and buy votes and bring in as many illegals as they can and do all this. They're trying to shore up the future, basically. I mean, it all makes sense if you really think about it. Yeah. So I, I think the left, I think they realized the Democrat Party was on a slide. You remember, I mean, they've, they've had some pretty nasty things go on over the past many years. Think about the DNC and all that stuff with Donna Brazil. Think about all the stuff through the, the uh, hookers and the Russia Mo Moscow Hotel, uh, peeing on Trump, all that business. Remember all that? This stuff was as outrageous as it could be. It would like it would fit in some far-fetched novel of some sort. Yet it was real life happening in our country. And so I, I think all that's happened. And I think the, the left was really desperate. And he, here's what's going to need to happen now. I think they've been doing a lot of desperate things for a lot of years. But I also think that uh, right now they put it all, they put so much out there. In other words, they, they realize they're losing favor, I think, with the American party. And I'm not just saying that to be cute or as a talking point. I, I think most of America knows what's going on here. Come on, people. And I know the independents and moderates doing the Democrats do. I mean, you know, come on. And you can sit and, but the problem the right is making and the Republican Party is making is this isn't all about Donald Trump. This is all about Americans. I think too many in the MAGA movement have, have made it about Donald Trump. And it's not really all about him. It's, it's about our country. It's about what is right is right, what is wrong is wrong. And surely that should make sense to you. Now, this uh, class action suit I want to talk to you about, they're looking for, and I'll read your right here from the uh, post, uh, they're seeking unspecified damages for alleged First Amendment violations that Trump said could total trillions of dollars. Sure, trillions of dollars, okay? Now, he's also asking federal judges to overturn the controversial immunity protection granted to internet companies in 1996 by declaring Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act unconstitutional. 
Uh, we've been talking about that for a while, but a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't he do that while he was in office? Why didn't Trump do all that and push uh, to declare that 230? Because there was a lot of talk about that, but he never did pull the lever down or try to, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, exert executive power, which is really what Biden is doing now. He's exerted all kinds of executive power. And, but he didn't do that with Section 230. What more could he have done? And we talked about that at the time that it was happening. So when I quote, he says here in the release, he says, and actually he had a speech on this, Trump did. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to stop social media companies' illegal and shameful censorship of the American people. That's exactly what they're doing. So Trump, in a smart move, has made this more about, not so much about him, but the American people. And he's actually right to do that. And then with bringing a class action suit, you can see where his attorney strategized on this. It says, well, we got to really make this about the American people, not so much just about DJT. And that's where I think some of those talking points are coming from. He says then, we're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, a stop to the blacklisting, banishing and canceling that you know so well. Hmm. He says that while the social media giants are officially private entities in recent years, they have ceased to be private with the enactment and their historical use of Section 230, which profoundly protects them from liability. And here's the catch right here. Here it is. He says, Trump, it is, in effect, a massive government subsidy. You, you better, better be damn right it's a government subsidy. And he's right with what he says there. Absolutely right. He says these companies have been co-opted, coerced, and weaponized by government actors to become the enforcers of an illegal, unconstitutional censorship. And he called out the CEOs of those companies specifically. Three real nice guys, he said sarcastically, right? So, you know, you got to look what's behind this story. Why have they such a vested interest to shut Trump down? But it wasn't just Trump. It was a lot of the people around Trump. And it was also a lot of the MAGA movement who became a cancer to the mainstream media and became a cancer to this entire conversation. And they've all, I mean, we've been talking about shadow banning and censoring for many years, even before Trump's Twitter account became a story. We knew it was happening back then. So the catch all is they're playing publishers because they're determining which content, they're definitely publishers, people. Let's get that out of the way right now. I mean, these clowns are determining and dictating what to do and what not to do. Had they kept into the mission that they started with, and let's be clear, Social media was supposed to be a multi-level conversation. It goes all ways. Whatever your opinion is, your opinion is. God bless you. You want to call somebody an idiot? Whatever, man. It's called free speech. I mean, there are several, there's a lot of things. I mean, free speech encompasses a great deal. Now, surely if somebody gets out and they do things that are more, uh, you know, promoting human trafficking or doing things about pornography or disgusting. I mean, that, that you've, you've crossed the line, clearly. You, you're no longer part of the family at that point. You're, you're in a different area. But we're not talking about that here. We're talking about, we don't even have the right to, I mean, if you go on social media today and you call like one of these, um, uh, especially these popular uh, liberal people and actors and uh, entertainers or 
goofballs, whatever they are, and you call them a blatant name on there, you're taking a hell of a chance because there are people who will follow these accounts and then turn you into Twitter and the Facebook gods and all of those YouTube gods, and they will censor you. But more than that, they'll shut you down and throw you off. We lost a lot of people on social media, a ton. I mean, a lot of, a lot of friends and a lot of people were thrown off these, these uh, uh, platforms, if you will. It's, it's a tricky, slippery slope is what we're dealing with, people. I'm telling you. It's, it's, it, here's the thing about this, too. A lot of people have opinions that nobody really knows what's going to happen. I want you to understand something. We've never been down this kind of a road before. Social media technology has changed the entire landscape of how we function, how we communicate. And we're in a whole new world. And we've never had anything quite like this before. Back to Section 230 and who or what they are. But it's actually more than 230. And, and so it begins, the battle begin, begins to see with this class action suit, could this be uh, his, a historical point? What could happen with this? Um, you know, I, I've been following this very, very closely with uh, some of the pieces of this. Could this change things to the degree that, uh, uh, that it's a landmark case? I mean, that, that we finally get some way to say, okay, they can't do this, they can't do that. They've crossed the lines and then called them out for who they are, uh, basically. I think the first argument I want to have with you today in Explore is this whole thing about government being the alignment with government. A lot of government officials, a lot of political operatives have demanded, and Pelosi's at the head of that club, but there's a whole host of them, actually. They have demanded in the public square that YouTube, that Facebook, that Twitter hold Trump accountable and the MAGA people accountable. But they're not holding the Antifa, the Black Lives Matter, or the criminals overseas, or the dictators from third world countries. And others. They're not holding them accountable. They're okay to be on there. We, we've proven that many times over. They're still on all the social media, uh, spewing that garbage, whatever they want to spew. And, and they don't get thrown off. So there's a target here. There's a target on patriots in America. There, there seems to be a target on people who support our Constitution. There's, there's a target here. And that's where this thing, again, becomes a bigger narrative. What are they really up to? And nobody really talks about that. You know, when you step back again at 50,000 feet and look at these, this kind of a story and determine what are they really up to? Why do they really care? I mean, if they're in this business to make money, people, I mean, they're certainly making money. These companies are, are, are worth billions. So what are they really up to? I mean, they got money. They, they, they've got the prestige and the power. I mean, you can see them out there, the Jack Dorseys and the Zuckerbergs, right? You can see them what they're doing. And so they got that. So what more do they really want? And why did they put their hand on the heavy scale here? You see, I mean, it really does stretch the mind unless you look at 50,000 feet and determine what, what are they really about? But a lot of people in the political circles don't want to talk about this. They don't really want to know. It's, it's hidden. It's hidden. It's out of sight from the media. It's out of sight from the political operatives. And even the, even the Trump speech and some of this don't go as far as we'll go today in what we'll say. Because again, looking at this thing for 50,000 feet, this thing smells like a rotten egg out in the daylight of sun for days on end. It's got a smell that is so bad. And I think America knows there's something else 
afoot here that has taken place in our country. So the suit comes at a very, very interesting time, I think, is something to talk about here and really understand. And then all of these social media outlets that are coming off the ground, what are they really up to? Uh, can, can, you know, how, how long will it take to level the playing field is what I'm wondering with a lot of these new players, like Getter, for instance, very, very interesting. And, and by the way, Jason Miller, one, he's, a, uh, he's the CEO, by the way, of this new one, Getter. My feeling, my gut tells me that Getter is, I just, it's just a gut feeling. I really don't know, but my gut tells me Getter is going to make some progress pretty quick. I just have a feeling. It's because when you look at it, it has the closest look and feel to Twitter that I've seen so far. Even from a lot of them are not smooth. They're not as sexy as Twitter and Facebook were, where they got all the, the kinks out of it. You know what I mean? It's still like a test. Like a lot of these others, they, they still they have their, uh, their hangups, their idiocracies that make it difficult sometimes to work with those platforms. Whereas this one looks like they've already got a lot of that worked out. Now, I could be wrong, but that's at least what I see. But then somebody said the other day, but they've been hacked already. Well, they're all hacked. When you're on the Internet, everybody, everybody's had Twitter. There are Twitter profiles uh, hacked on Twitter all the time. I mean, like that's not a, a new revelation of some sort. Uh, anything on the Internet is hackable, pretty much. You, you live, you learn, you fix it, you move on. That's not a reason not to play with somebody. Let me clear that up. Anybody who thinks it's because they've been, so what? I mean, they're hacking all kinds of people. I mean, they're hacking your electro. Does that mean you're never going to have electric? You know, you fix the problem, you move on. That's a whole nother conversation is ransomware and the technical uh, piece of what's happening around the world. But uh but this getter has some interesting people in, and uh, like Jason Miller and other uh, senior advisors to Trump are involved in this here. And uh, he, he says some things. Uh, we'll come back to that. But there are some interesting things that getter is saying in, in support of this. And uh, I, I just think it's a firm you're going to it's a, a social media outlet you're going to want to watch real quickly here. That's my guess. I, again, I don't really know, but that's my guess. I think they're going to take off probably like a rocket ship. How much they catch up with Pollard, Gab, Clout Hub. Uh, there's others. There's a bunch. Uh, Freedom Book, uh, Minds. There's so many. Fr Frank, the Frank speech I told you about. And there's a ton more. I don't even know all of them. There's so damn many. Seems like every week there's a couple, three more happening. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, so that's what I'm here to talk to you about today is this whole social media deal here. We'll have Team Nation on. We've got some really great voices coming on with us. We're going to take a pause here, a moment here, and uh, we'll join you on the other side here on The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. 
That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. So in the Trump suit, the lawsuit here, in a Newsweek article there, uh, Jason Miller uh, says here, statement, President Trump has struck a blow for the freedom of expression ingrained in our Constitution and against the unrestrained power of the Silicon Valley social media oligarchs who regularly suppress First Amendment protected speech. Trump correctly likened the theft of freedom of speech to leading lambs to their slaughter. Wow and has taken on the powerful leftist big tech moguls. And Miller added this, censorship, blacklisting, and outright cancellation are commonplace on giant social media platforms and often are aimed at everyday citizens doing nothing more than exercising their God-given right to express themselves. And he says further, this is exactly why we founded Getter and exactly why we have astounding growth, over a million registered users already in just a few days with our official launch. There's a hunger for a cancel-free social media platform, not just in the United States, but in nations across the globe. Hmm. Now, the God-given right to express themselves is the question at hand, really, with all of that that I tell you there. As far as the censorship, the blacklist, and the shadow ban, and the cancellation, this stuff has been going on for some time. Listen, Facebook threw me off about four and a half years ago before it was even fashionable. Uh, we had, a, we, we had a, a great presence there in the day, uh, but they obviously, we, we tried to hold on to that account, took us weeks and weeks and never did get it back. YouTube stopped us from monetizing and threw off seven or eight videos they just deemed they didn't like. Now, if you know me and you know what I do here, I don't do hate speech. I don't do that kind of thing. Never did. Don't do conspiracies. Not at all. But it didn't stop them from doing what they did. But you know what? I'm not going to sit there and cry about it. I don't, you don't, I just, I move on. I move on to other people that we can get the message out with. And, and then the power behind America or out loud, just say the hell with these people. We'll get it out by other means. Now, we still have to play with these people who are out there who have a lot of Americans who are embedded in their systems like Twitter and Facebook and all these others. And quite frankly, I'll tell you another thing. I'm, yeah, we're not on Facebook here. I'm not on because, again, even, even when America out loud was launching, they threw us off. But even with all the uh, uh, traction and the work I had spent personally with Facebook to develop that site. But the thing is, we fall into action. We, we, we developed this mission and grassroots movement of America Out Loud to where freedoms, where we honor free, free speech. We, we honor freedom of speech and the diversity of opinions. Well, we don't have to always agree. It's okay. It's a beautiful American value and trait that I honor our, uh, our country with that uh, we should accept other opinions. It doesn't have to be my way, hooray for me and the hell with you. And we don't have to argue and beat each other up over these things. And I think that's where we've lost the magic touch here in our country, um, for sure. All right, so let's start here and uh, and talk uh, more about um, uh, the, the 2.30, uh, the connection to government. I think it's sort of provable at this point is what the argument I want to make with you. First argument is anyways, I have several arguments, but I think it is provable in a, in a, in a court of law that they are in, they're, they're in collusion with the federal government. 
there's enough of those uh, people, and I use the word people casually. I wanted to use something stronger, but I'll stay with people for the moment, okay? Um, so there's a lot of evidence out there. There's a lot of communications, a lot of videos, there's a lot of recordings where those people in power positions said things, warning and telling. So this is a fact. Social media, warning YouTube, warning Google, warning Twitter, warning Facebook. And you remember that was happening for some time before they even pulled Trump's account down, asking them to control and manage it. Some of these people, these were the same clowns who were griping about Section 230 before then, as saying that, you know, that the, these people should not have that protection. But they changed their mind quickly when it favored them. It really is BS. Uh, and you have to call it out as such here. Let's open the conversation up a little bit. I want to bring on Wallace Garneau. You've heard Wallace on the platform before. And uh, he's a writer here, a weekly columnist at uh, Mark Rout Loud, and a voice here uh, that we're happy to bring to the table here. Wallace, I know you have some strong opinions on this yourself, and uh, I, I want to specifically stay with the with the uh, collusion of big government in, in contrast for the involvement of, uh, you know, of, of these media outlets now, because that's where the rubber is going to meet the road a lot to determine whether they're a publisher or not a publisher, whether they're doing all this under their own free will or whether they're being coerced from political operatives in D.C. What do you say to that? Malcolm, what I say to that is I think that Trump is invariably going to lose this lawsuit because I don't think he's taking the right tact on it. What he's trying to do is, is, is say that they have some kind of a link to the government and therefore they're not really a private firm. And I think you can be aligned with government and still be a private firm. So I just I don't see that as being a viable argument. However, I think if we look at what Section 230 is, we look at how it originated and what it's supposed to do. I think that the technology firms are very, very open to being sued. I just think he needs to take a different tact. So if we look at 230, and incidentally, I've been a career IT guy, so this is right in my wheelhouse. I'm not a lawyer, but it's still right in my wheelhouse. Right. And I'm currently in the middle of a 30-day ban on Facebook myself for posting what was a very funny joke. Uh, so yeah, they don't take jokes too well, do they, the left like that? They don't take jokes well. Well, in, in this case, I don't think it was the fact that it was a joke. I had served a seven-day ban, and, and I came back, and less than two days later, I posted a joke, and they banned I, I think I'm in their crosshairs. I've got thousands of followers on Facebook. Most of my following is from Facebook. Uh, I'm starting to be more active on Twitter now because I, I have to be, but really, my following has always been more on Facebook. So I, I think I'm in their crosshairs. And incidentally, I think I've been in their crosshairs ever since I started posting articles on, on America Out Loud. Yes, you know, we, we now hold on now. What you say there is important. Wallace, because I was in the same boat you were in, oh, about four and a half years ago. We had far more, uh, you know, with Facebook, when you have a page on Facebook, they have to like you. You can't like them. And we had over 80,000 that were liking, that followed our what the work I was doing. We were doing hardly anything on Twitter. It was all on Facebook. And yet we got into their cross here very well. And they started the early signs of what I didn't even know was happening, the shadow ban of the censor and all of that, because a lot of that was in the closet and, the, and it was really hard to get that out into the light of day. But this was before all this happened. But I was in the same boat as you. It was all on Facebook, had nothing really on Twitter. And uh, they put us in the crosshairs. They eventually pulled us out and canceled us right off of Facebook. Same thing. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And in my case, you know, it was what the, the, the joke was, I don't know how relevant it is, but the joke was a friend of mine said that he was going to be buying an F-15. And that was in response to, you know, comments that Joe Biden had made. And I commented to him and I said, you'd better watch out or Uncle Joe is going to cap a nuke up your ass. And <laughs> I thought it was funny. 
uh, what Facebook said is that I had threatened my friend's life. And so, bam, I threat somebody. Oh, because you said a nuke up, up your ass, right? Is that yeah, I, I, yeah, I even appealed. I appealed to him and I said, you know, right. I'm, I'm not a nation state. So even if I did want to kill my best friend, which I don't want to do, uh, I don't have access to nuclear weapons. So the, the, the idea that I'm threatening him by threatening to nuke a, by, by fire a nuke up his ass is, is asinine. I said, obviously, it was a joke. And they also banned me within about five seconds of posting it. So nobody had even read it yet. It, the whole thing was just absurd. Uh, but that's, that's I'm glad you shared that. I, I'm glad you just said what you did. And uh, I'm sure there's a joke we can pull out of that when we talk about nuke up your ass and then you say ass nine. I bet there's a joke we can put <laughs> together for that. Go ahead, as you were, sir. <laughs> well, so so we look at Section 230, which is very near and dear to my heart now being on a, on a ban for a stupid reason. Uh, what we have to really look at is what happened before that, which is the difference between, for example, Time Magazine and, and, and Mother Bell. Uh, the Bell Telephone Company, you know, if somebody calls on that, says something slanderous or, or something that some other way you could be sued for, you know, provoking violence, whatever the case may be. Bell Telephone was not liable for that because Bell Telephone was just a platform people used to call people over. The people who were responsible for it were the people who were saying those things. So if I call you up and say, Malcolm, I'm going to kill you. Well, Bell Telephone can't be sued for that. But if you want to sue me for that, you can uh, that's different than, say, Time Magazine, that is a publisher, that they print content, they have complete control over what they print, and if they say something that is slanderous or they incite violence or whatever the case may be, they can absolutely be sued for that. So then you have Section 230, and the intent of Section 230 was to take that concept of publisher versus platform, can or cannot be sued, and apply that to uh, companies like Facebook and, and Google and, and Twitter that, that are platforms or publishers, one of the two, and they can either they have control over the content that people post on them, or they can be they can they can be immune from being sued for the content that other people post on them. And what these companies are doing is if you say you can't censor me, they say, well, of course I can. I'm a publisher. I can do whatever I want my platform. I'm a private company. And then if you try to sue them because of something somebody has published on them. They say, well, you can't sue me. I'm a platform. I have no control of what other people put on my platform. And, and what Trump is doing is he's trying to sue them for being somehow in league with government, which I don't think is illegal to be. What he should do is he should sue them either for being a publisher, in, in which case look for something that is inciting violence that you've blocked him for, that you're not blocking other people for, allowing Antifa on, whatever. Sue them for that. Make them come out publicly in court and say, you can't sue me. I'm only a platform. I have no control over what is published. Then come at them and say, okay, fine. In that case, you're not a platform and I'm going to sue you for blocking me. And I think that would gain traction. I think that would expose the, if, if there is a flaw in 230 and I'm not a lawyer, I'm a technology guy. So you'd have to bring a lawyer to talk about whether or not that that's a correct interpretation of that law. That is the, the intent of the law. I don't know. That's the language of the law, but anyway, I think that if you expose it that way and you expose what Section 230 is designed to do and you expose how they're exploiting both sides of it, trying to be a publisher or a platform, both whatever is convenient to them at the time, I think that's how you do it. I don't think you do it by trying to say that Facebook is somehow a branch of the government. Yeah. Well, again, this is a road we've never been down before. Every expert says that. And even the attorneys on this story, uh, Wallace, would say to you, they would give an educated opinion, a guess, because they really don't know. We're in some, again, uncharted waters here with technology. The collusion with government uh, is is a question whether that 
plays or doesn't play, it definitely, you're saying, use some reverse psychology and let them put themselves in a corner and say, we're, we're really publishers, which they really are become, there's no doubt in my, is there any doubt in your mind that these people have, they are publishers, are they not? Well, that really gets to the heart of the issue. They are both publishers and platforms at the same time. Mm -hmm. and, and legally, you're not supposed to be both. They should have to choose. Either I'm a publisher, I have control over the content on my platform, and therefore I can be sued for content on my platform, or I'm a platform and I have no control over it, and you can post whatever you want, and I have no say in the matter. They yeah. should not be able to, to, to flip from one to the other right. as it's convenient right. for them. Yeah, it started that way, what you just said there, is how social media started. It started as a conversation and it started to connect yourself with friends and families and your circle of associates and what have you. And it started where it was just about getting it out there. And, you know, how did, and I remember the big argument back in the day was how do they even monetize this product? Because they were losing a lot of money. And then they figured out how to monetize it, how Facebook and Twitter and all of those companies, they finally figured out how to monetize it. And, but that was the earlier argument. And they're really, we didn't see a lot of that back then. It was a multi-conversation and it, it seemed, I, I didn't get the sense that was in question, but now it seemed to, I don't know, it, it was, and it's hard to know when that moment happened. Uh, clearly people would argue and say it was the moment with Trump and Twitter. Well, it became more exposed at that, at that point, Wallace, but it's not like we really knew or didn't know. It had been going on for a long time before then. And we, but I don't know when that magic moment happened when the oligarch said to themselves, well, this isn't really fit. And this brings me to the bigger point here. There's a bigger agenda here because these oligarchs and these companies, they're not just out for profits. They're just not out for money. They're not out for that because they already got that. And they're not out for just the power and prestige because they already got that. So what are they really out for? Do you know the answer to that? Yeah, I think I do. Actually, my, my latest article on America Out Loud was exactly about that. If we go back and we say, what was the, the, the one moment in American history where the concept of liberty irrevocably changed? It's, it's not COVID-19. It goes way back before that. It wasn't even a Democrat who did it. If we look at the National Defense Authorization Act of 2002, one of the things it included were provisions to allow anybody who was suspected of terrorism to be locked up indefinitely without a hearing, without an attorney, without even the requirement of telling their family that they were detained, you could lock them up indefinitely. Uh, in addition, if you do decide to have a trial, which you don't have to do, you can lock them up forever without one. But if you do decide to have a trial for publicity reasons, whatever, you could have a secret trial with secret evidence that the accused was not even allowed to be a part of. So, you know, we look at that. That was in response to 9-11. That was, a, of course, 9-11, we were told, was because of Islamic extremism. But now all of a sudden, the government is saying that we are the extremists, that Republicans are the extremists. And, uh, and you know, this is scary. You know, you're looking at Canada, for example. Canada uh, is, is burned, the Canadian people have burned down about 20 churches because they believe that, that Christianity is a part of the Western patriarchy. And of course, you can't have that. You have to destroy the Western patriarchy. This, this movement goes back a long way. There's a lot of money behind it. Uh, there's, this, is, this is some scary stuff. And it's just now... They've been building up momentum for it forever. And all of a sudden now we're starting to enter the implementation phase. Yeah. Everything you say there is very well said. And it's getting to the bigger narrative of what is behind this, Wallace. And I, you, like I then, uh, agree that something else is driving this. 
you know, I get I get goosebumps when you talk about the burning of the churches in Canada, what's happened. I was just talking to some folks the other day about Canada and how oppressive things are up there. And a lot of us don't realize that our neighbors to the north are not this innocent little country anymore. Uh, there's a lot of bad things happening and socialism has become the order of the day to our neighbors to the north. And I think if you come back 20 years from now, I think Canada is going to look like something different. I think you're right. And I got to tell you, Malcolm, my family helped to found Canada. Quebec was literally wow. founded by Garneau's wow. and uh, not just the Garneau's, but by other families as well. But my family literally helped to found Quebec and uh, in other parts of Canada as well. And uh, in, in fact, the if, if you look at the Canadian uh, the Canadian Award for, for History that they give out every year, kind of like their Pulitzer Prize for Historians, it's actually named after an ancestor of mine, Xavier Cartier Garneau. It's the Garneau Award of History. So okay. I'm not Canadian. I was born in Michigan, but my family is, is, is from Quebec and, and very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't like saying what I just said, by the way, because I, I, I hate saying that. But I, and, and again, not to be, well, the truth to be told, people, that 20 years from now as well, America is going to look a whole lot different as well. Uh, what that really looks like is going to depend on what happens next year. And everybody knows this. It's no longer just a theory or a, a fantasy fairy tale or some novel that was written. We're being changed from the inside out as we speak. And it's been building here for some time now. And the indoctrination of everything that's happening, uh, in addition to what we're talking about here with this massive censoring campaign, uh, it's got to leave everybody with uh, a fear, a fear that things are changing rapidly. And it's like we can't get control. It's like we're in a free fall of some sort. We can't seem to get control over it. Staying on this course a moment here. And Carl, I'd like to bring in uh, Carl of Porfirio. He is our gold star dad and part of our team nation here called Porfirio. And uh, we haven't talked in a while, Carl. So it's good to have you here today. And good to um, be here. so uh, listen, I, I know you're a, you're a social media guy. You're, you're out there. You, you put a lot of effort into it. You're also a patriot. You understand what's happening. Um, this bigger narrative of the collusion of government, which is what I threw to Wallace a moment ago here, but also what we're talking about now with the, the bigger picture, the scope of what's going on in our country, what's behind all this with the, uh, uh, the, the oligarchs that are taking control of, of communications. What's, uh, what's your insight, your gut tell you? Well, I, I agree with Wallace, but on a little bit of different slant. Yeah, I, I agree that Trump probably won't win this case. But I don't think that's what it's about. I think it's more about just the exposure, Trump getting it out there. You know, as, as I listen to us talk all the time on the show, Malcolm, I think, you know, we're, we're very intellectual on the show. Wallace is very intellectual. You know, he uses big words, you know, IT and we use algorithms and things. But hey, man, IT is not a big word. IT is only two well, letters. I just want to point well, out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm talking about what it stands for when people <laughs> when people use these acronyms, you know. People like, I got to think about people like my mother. My mother is very political. She's 85 years old. She right. votes. Right. All her, her little friends vote. But, you know, they don't understand. I still can't teach my mother the difference between a search bar and an address bar. Yeah, your so, point is taken. A lot of people don't keep up on the terms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, so what I, so I want to break it down for our, our more mature audience, okay? I want to say, ahead. imagine if you would, you're, 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 you're Thelma Lou, and you say, hey, Sarah, get me Aunt B. Get me Aunt B on the line. And Sarah has to do her little plugins, and I'm sure they can remember this, you know, with her little with her big switchboard. But yet she can hear the conversation. Sarah can still hear this conversation. So, so Thelma Lou's telling Ampy, you know what? I really don't like what the mayor of Mayberry is doing these days. And Sarah's like, oh, you know what? 
he's my uncle and I'm going to unplug this conversation. Okay. So she unplugs the conversation because she doesn't like what they're saying about her uncle. So this is what our mature people have to understand about these algorithms and things. This is exactly what Twitter and Facebook and Google are doing to us. When they, do, when they hear a word that they don't agree with, they unplug us. And that's what they're doing. So this is what people need to understand. You know, and, and they want to make us all look like what Wallace said. We're, we're the terrorists now. We're bad. You keep telling a child this. You keep telling them this in school. You keep telling older people this. You're terrorists. You're nothing but a bunch of terrorists. And, and they start believing it because that's all they hear. Yeah. That's, that's all the kids hear. We agreed to be on their platforms is what, what's happened here. So, you know, they, you're saying it's proven they are doing, and I know that always has gotten under your skin, the shadow ban and, and the censoring yes. that has clearly taken place. And, you know, when you watch a lot of these hearings up on the Hill, when the uh, senators and uh, in, 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 in all of the congressional hearings, actually on both sides, and when they have them, and they have some of the, uh, the uh, social media titans in there. It's always a tap dance back and forth. The only, you know, some of the, like the, 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 the Jordans, the Jim Jordans will call them out, the, the Rand Pauls will call them out. Uh, but it's always a tap dance when they're in these meetings and as far as what their motives are and what they're looking for. But yet every, everybody knows what's happening, but nobody really wants to admit the truth because they're still playing political games with all of it. But I think, Carl, there's we're playing with these private companies. We're playing with their, uh, their products, their products. They don't charge us to do that. We're, now, Gab does, you do pay a fee with Gab, by the way, uh, although you don't have to. If you just want to stay layman, you can do it free. But other than that, if you want to do anything with them, you do pay a fee. They're one of the first ones to start to do this paid social media thing like a hundred bucks a year or 200, whatever. And you get, you can actually do something more with it, but a lot of them it's free and you're playing in their paradise with these products. And, and it is free, but the product, the, the product of free is that you are the product and they're selling you and they've always been selling you. And, but the still, it doesn't change the bigger agenda of what are they up to? Why do they, why are they afraid of our opinions? Why don't they want our opinions out there? Why do they give a rat's ass, Carl? If they're making money three times over the cuckoo's nest, why do they care what the hell Malcolm or Carl thinks? Control. It's all about control. But How they have control, control now. What more do they want? What, what kind they want of control? More control? They want total control. They still, we're still, we're the resistance. We're, you know, like, like you watch the old movies, you watch Hogan's Heroes. We're, we're Hogan, we're the resistance. That's what we're doing, and they can't stand it. They got to stamp out the resistance. So they're, whether they're going to do it through a virus or do it through communications, do it through, you know, as long as they keep talking. All right. If we're know. now hold on now, if we're the resistance, I hear I, I like everything you just said. Now, if we are the resistance, like you say, stamp out through a virus or stamp out through social media or stamp out through. Okay. So if they're stamping us out, what do they really want? Is this a global takeover of our country? Is that what's happening? Absolutely, and it's total control. It's absolutely it's socialism. Look, the European Union did it. I, re I remember I was almost in tears when my father called me, you know, 30 plus years ago. Oh, you know, he's living in Italy and he says, oh, you know, we're joining the European Union. It's going to be wonderful. I said, why, Dad? Why is it going to be wonderful? I said, you won't be Italy anymore. You'll be part of the union. I said, it didn't work for the Soviet Union. Why did everyone gripe when it was the Soviet Union? But yet everybody seemed to approve of the European Union. Why? 
you know, uh, what happened? It, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Everybody has become the same. It's become socialist Europe. It's not individual countries anymore. I mean, that's the way I felt after going back to Europe afterwards. I'm like, it's, okay. it's, it's all different. We're all one of the same. So this underlying mission motive here, you think is the globalist uh, mantra, what they're looking for, you, that these oligarchs, that they're sort of somehow committed to that, right? Absolutely. The new world okay. order. I all used right. to laugh when I heard about the new world I order. I know. Here. I did the but same. That, now I feel like a fool. I'm like, you know what? They're right. And that, that's what happens now. My kids always said, Dad, you're such a conspiracist. And I'm like, but what about now, kids? Am I right now? Yeah, Dad, you, it seems that you're right now. Yeah, yeah some so, of that stuff was so far out there, Carl. I had a hard time buying into the, yeah, the, the, the deal. Wallace, where do you sit with all that? Before I bring in Kathy here in a moment here. This idea of globalist, uh, where do you sit with it? Well, Malcolm, I had a very eye-opening experience just uh, yesterday. I uh, saw something on Twitter about the World Economic Forum having eight things that will change by the year 2030. Okay. And, and the, the, the claim was that they said private property will not exist by 2030 anywhere on earth. So I went and I looked to their website and sure enough, right on their website where the entire world can see it, the World Economic Forum, their first thing that will change, not the eighth thing that will change, the first thing they said that will change is that everything that you have, everything will be a service. There will be no such thing as private property. So you're not going to have a car. You're not going to have clothing. You're not going to have food. You're not going to have a house. Everything will be owned by the government, by the state, as they put it. And, and you will loan it, you will borrow it from the state. So if you want clothes, the state will give you clothes. If you want food, the state will give you food. If you want housing, the state will give you housing. Okay. If they're going to own it, control it. Now, hold on. I got to ask you now. Uh, you say the World Economic, uh, you're talking about the World Economic Council here, right? The forum there. The World Economic Forum, part of the United Nations. Yes. Okay. So what is, tell me again, I just, what you said was very compelling, but what is the statement you read that brought you to those conclusions? What was it, please? It, it was, it was, it was that uh, by the year 2030, there will be eight things that will be radical changes in the world, that the okay. worldwide changes. Okay. The first one of those is the eradication of all private property. Okay. And that's right in there. It's right in there. It's right on the website. Wow. We can wow. provide a link to it. Wow. wow. It's actually the first point, not the eighth. It's the first point that everything will be owned by the state and, and you will get it, you will, you will borrow from the state what you need. And of course, if you're not what the state wants you to be, wow. they don't have to give you as much. Maybe, uh, you know, I, I think after being banned by Facebook, maybe I'll be running around in a loincloth or something. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's control. Wallace, I'm stunned that that is in there again, which solidifies everything we're talking about. I was in denial for the longest time, uh, being a journalist and a news guy and understanding, uh, you know, I never really thought this was a real story. The new world order, the reset, the uh, globalist environment. Uh, it, it, did you also, did you have any questions about that early on or did you easily swallow that pill, uh, Wallace, yourself, I'm wondering? Because I had a real hard time with this. You know, that's that's actually a great question. When I first started writing, a, a, my, my second political blog actually was called The Enemy Combatant. And I created that blog after the National Defense Authorization Act of twenty of, of twenty of two thousand and two. Mm. My response was: If you're going to say people are going to be locked up for being enemy combatants if they're somehow aligned with terrorism, cool. I'm going to start a blog with the name "The Enemy Combatant." I'm going to mm. point out that that's blatantly unconstitutional. Wow. Uh, so, and that was a Republican. You know, George W. Bush was a Republican. So everybody wants to talk about the Democrats are doing this. Well, guess what? A lot of Republicans are doing it too. 
Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he is a big, uh, big government, a uh, big uh, oligarch thinker. Uh, the Bushes are. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't vote for them for mosquito control. Uh, I am not a fan of that group at all. Uh, they fit right into the Obama, Clinton uh, and now Biden claim. Uh, totally. Kathy, Kathy Chamberlain here. Let's bring her into the conversation. Kathy, uh, you know, th I am literally uh, I'm, I'm wow. I mean, I can't believe at this point of the conversation we're now talking about when Wallace says what he says about the uh, World Economic Forum in the UN, that it, it's literally in there as bullet number one, Wallace, you say, right? I mean, it's right that's, there. Yeah, that's correct. Bullet number I, one. I'm stunned because that now tells me you just gave a lot of fodder here for uh, programming product and articles moving forward because these bastards need to be stopped. What do you say to that, Kathy? Well, <laughs> I'm well aware Klaus Schwab, who heads up uh, the World Economic Forum, has uh, talked about that for a long time. We're just not listening. Uh, in fact, <laughs> he I mean, he wrote a book, What the Great Reset. He's, he talks about depopulation of the world and he heads up the World Economic Forum. Yeah, I mean, it, Wallace is absolutely correct. Um, and they're so blatant about it. That's the incredible well, thing. Well, obviously, huh? I mean, gee, I mean, where was I? Yeah. And if you recall, when I uh, spoke about that, the whole cyber plan, like Event 201, mm -hmm. they now have the uh, Cyber Polygon 2021, and that's all about hacking and, and everything. Well, Carl Schwab is behind all of that, the World Economic Forum is behind all of that. So all of these arrows are pointing to a direction that most normal people, let's say in quotes, would assume is conspiratorial. And that's what they want. They want people to feel it's all conspiracy stuff so we don't pay attention. And we, uh, and we focus on people like Wallace, me, you, and all of us as conspiracy theorists. They've gotten away with that for decades. That's why we're here today. Yeah, we have been brainwashed as a people. The whole idea when you bring the word, for instance, when you bring the word conspiracy into anything, People, but conspiracy is just a plan or a point of action. It is a legitimate action plan. It's a conspiracy to do X, Y, Z. It's only when you add the word theory, theorist, that it becomes sort of like the Alex Jones hour kind of thing. But a lot of these things are plans to do harm or uh, they're strategic in nature. I think a lot of us had trouble believing that. You know, let me tell you why. A lot of us who believe in America and believe in our founders and our constitution and our history and just are, are, are a proud people. And I'm talking about a proud people of Americans that are from all walks of life people. This, you know... They've tried to paint the picture of, of uh, conservatism and of patriotism uh, and believers in our constitution as some sort of a white supremacy group. Really, that's what it is. But the whole Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, white supremacy, they've tried to paint that picture. These are the same people who have gone out in wars and defended and won and who we should honor, who uh, put an oath to protect our constitution, like our law enforcement as well, and all of our military and leaders in that capacity. And now you look at some of this thing and then Wallace throws this on me and says, well, you know, but listen, the, the, uh, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, it's right there. And I, I really am blown away with some of it. And like Kathy says, well, it's happening right in the light of day. I mean, like, we're just not paying attention. 
And I guess that's what they're so good at, I guess, is what I would say next to you. They're so good at floating these narratives out there. And then they're doing everything they're accusing patriots of doing is what they're doing. It's remarkable. It's amazing. And yet it's because of exactly what we're talking about today, the megaphone of society, these oligarchs and what their mission is and what they're owned with, owned, you know, they're, they're, what they own and that they've kind of bought us all in as sheeple into their platforms. And we're out there trying to fight to save our country. And we think every tweet or every post is going to do the ultimate difference. But the problem is we're all in vacuums. We're only talking to like-minded people. So we get out there and we throw a post or a tweet out and the same people say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And we feel good. You know what it is? Social media is a whole bunch. It's like, it's like crack cocaine. It's like we're all on a crack trip. Now, I've never done crack cocaine, but if I was, I'm sure that's how it would feel. Oh, my God, I got 10 more followers today. Shit, I'm in. It's like a crack. It's like I'm a drunken alcoholic crack addict here. You know, got to have more of that. But we're only telling the people in our circles because you know what else is, you know what else I laugh about with Republicans all the time? And I see it in the rooms and I always chuckle when I see it. People to block. Or we got we got some nasties here. Uh, Mary Sue, look at that. We got to block that bastard. <laughs> he doesn't believe in the Constitution. He doesn't believe in what we believe in. Let's block him. What the hell are we doing here? I mean, so we block everybody that doesn't have a belief like us. Oh, great, groovy. And, and some of you probably already hung up the line here. Don't even want to talk about this out there in America. Some of you who are listening say, well, this guy's now kicking us in the ass. We're not going to like this at all. Son of a bitch is calling us out for blocking. Who's he think he is? Well, that's what you all do. You're whiny little bitches out there. You got to block everything you don't like and you're part of the problem. And then you say, well, but I didn't like what they said or they're just, they're uh, dancing with us. They're, uh, but why bother? Aren't we having this multi-level conversation on social media or just want to talk to like-minded people like at the Boy Scout trip you took when you were 15 years old? What's, what's, what, are you, what are we trying to do? See, we sit and we fall into the same trap the left does. And then now we're beating each other up. Like, I just don't pay attention to those people. Why do they bother? And why don't we even, why do we even care that people have a different opinion? Some people love abortion. They have no problem murdering people. They're thrilled with the concept. Other people don't. I get it. Some people are gay. Some people are not. I get it. But it's like we have to fall on one side or the other or we call each other out. Ah, there's something sinister about the whole thing here. We're being led down some roads here that are, I'll tell you what, to be at each other's face in a forum that uh, I think we're setting ourselves up. I think you don't have to worry about, like you said, anybody coming onto our shores. It'll never happen. These people have already got a got us screwed up three ways to Sunday here, fighting with each other. Xi and, and Poot and all of those cats, they're back there laughing. They're a collective asses off right now. Uh, they're basically winning all of this and hands down. And yet we sit here and we gripe and complain about everything that we can gripe and complain about. The, the sky is falling after all. Chicken Little was right. Damn it. We'll pick up more of this, my friends, in hour two. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. 
the voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor, honor, honor. our soul. soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome back to Voice of a Nation. It is yours truly, Malcolm Aloud here, and we're we're talking about this lawsuit Donald Trump has put out, class action suit, to go after the oligarchs and the social media cruds, and uh, sort of hopefully put them into their place. Section two thirty: Are you a publisher? Aren't you a publisher? What do you really want? Uh, you know, should we all be censored and shadow banned? But yet they all go up to the hill and they say, well, "No, no, massa, no master." We're, we're not we're not censoring anybody. We're not shadow banning everybody. And then, of course, the Veritas Project goes out and captures all the videos. And we look at the videos. Oh, my golly, they are censoring and shadow banning now, aren't they? And, of course, we all feel in our bones. But then they go up to the hill and they tell the public, no, public, they tell the, you know, the people you elect up there, you know, no, we're not doing any of that. And, of course, the Republicans come out, some of those, on, and some of them that that have the, um, the, 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 the backbone to do it, if you will, you know. Uh, they they try to call them out, the Zuckerbergs and all of all of them, the the, the Twitters, the Dorseys, and and all and there's a whole host of them now, obviously, and and um, and and they still deny. And these people are they're committed liars. And by the way, all of these people, as we talk right now, uh, they're meeting in the Sawtooth Mountains. Uh, we we wrote about there's an article on the platform now about this. Actually, it's very interesting. Uh, Susan Price puts it out that she calls it the media's version of the Bilderberg meeting for big tech giants who meet yearly in the small rural Idaho town of Sun Valley Resort and Getaway, located near the Sawtooth Mountains. But it's got all the names you ever wanted to know. It's got them all in there. Uh, the, the big tech moguls, the mainstream media figures, uh, former government titans of industry, investors, intelligence scientists, Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett, right? Uh, uh, the list is so extensive. I'd sit here for hours reading to you who's in this meeting. But there, let's just say that there's a lot there, and I, I mean, there's a there's a lot of wealth in that room or in those mountains or whatever they're doing. I'm sure they have a lot of security. I am certain of. Um, but they're all meeting, and you know, you want to be a fly on the wall, really, in those cases to see what they're talking about and what they're meeting uh, with. Uh, but you know, so listen. Um, I think the story, uh, Carl, let me let me bounce at you something here. To me, the story is a little simpler, Carl. I think we have uh, the fact that we are playing in the left's uh, playpen. These companies who own the social media, the, these oligarchs who own the product, they invested, they took a chance, figured out how to monetize it. Uh, you know, the right did not. There was no social media owned by the right, just as there were hardly any newspapers or television networks or, uh, you know, I mean, just everything. Lock, stock and barrel was owned by the Marxist left. And they played it to a T, almost now to a cancer. And we're playing without, rep- you know, without repercussions, we, we thought. We're playing in the form that they gave us the free product. We don't have to pay. And now, as soon as it wasn't going our way, we complain and we gripe and we hoot and we holler. And then we block them all. And we don't want to play with those people at all that don't like our message. Or if they say something nasty or a bot or something, we all laugh in our circles and say, oh, that's a bot. 
that's a that's a liberal lunatic. And I know a lot of people sit on these platforms and says all they do is call people out. In other words, it's entertainment, Carl. Just entertainment. Purely it's like go. It's like, Carl, when you were a kid and you went to the pizza joint down the road and they had the pinball machines. You remember that? And you put the, you put the quarter in and you played the pinball for hours and you ding, 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 ding. It was, it's very addictive, but it was entertaining as hell. Isn't that what social media is, Carl? It is absolutely what social media is. And I agree with you 100%. We get in our little circles. You know, I, I shy away from Facebook because, and I, I, I plus it my. Well, they're Marxists. They're Marxists. They are, well, I mean, what the hell do you well, want with I, Facebook? But, but, they're Marxists. But what I mean, what I mean is the people, the good people, right. that think they're the good people, following on Facebook. You know, I don't give a damn what time you drank your cup of coffee this morning, exactly. or what your piece of pie looked like. But they get on there thinking that these are their actual friends. I've lost friends to Facebook. I can't even talk to them anymore because they can't get their damn face off of Facebook long enough. And it is all it is, like you said, it's entertainment. And they add the games and they again, I'll come down to that word control. This is how you control people. Hey, let me give you a free game. What was it way back a few years ago? The farm, Farmville, Farmville. Right. I remember right. I'd go into my office, try to do some work. And there was these people on their computers playing Farmville saying, hey, I need a tree. I need I'm, what the hell are you talking about? You know, it, it is about entertainment and you, you can't get people's attention anymore. Like what Kathy said earlier, she said. Uh, you know, it's right under our noses, but no one's paying attention and no one is paying attention. Well, we are in these. I think the bigger problem is there's nobody really wants to talk to the other people or the other side. We're in these circles and we just want to talk with like minded people. But, Carl, we're then the same people who run around griping and bitching about the problem that we helped create. And we did help create it. I mean, 100%. We, did nothing, we did nothing about it. I, now, I am a little bit of the, uh, oh, like the teachers would hate me. I'd go in and I'd question, I'd question, I'd question, you know, and I was a substitute teacher. And I've said, and I've noticed people, now they're posting it, I've seen on, on Twitter or whatever. Why aren't there cameras in the, the classroom? Mm -hmm. Why aren't there, you know, what do you got to hide? What are you worried about? What are you teaching our kids? Because you can't go anywhere anymore, Malcolm, true, without a camera. Where can you go without there being a camera on you, except for the classroom? That's the one place you go and there are no cameras. Why are there no cameras there? The, what, because they don't want you to know what they're teaching our children. I've been thrown out of schools. I've been literally thrown out of schools uh, because I used to be a foster parent. I'd go in and I'd question something. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? You know, why is Joey over there playing his Nintendo? And they threw me out of school because they didn't want to give me the fair and straight answer. You know, you just gave me an idea that I think is interesting. Uh, back to, it's a little bit of a... a, a I digress uh, comment here, but I think it's an important one uh, in the school system. Imagine if we had body cams on the school teachers, uh, Carl. Well, you know, uh, you know, actually, I, I like this idea, Carl. Listen to me a minute. Uh, you want to you want to get Orwellian in a moment? Screw you. And, and the, the left, the other side, it says, screw you people. You want to put body cams? And we started that with our law enforcement, uh, you know, and we we with body cams on all of those guys. And, and of course, they need them at this point. And they want them at, at the enforcement because they know they're doing a good job. But the thing is, we should push that back on the left and demand that all of our teachers all the way through wear body cams. We want to see that you keep your hands off our kids, you little bastard. And we want to see what you're teaching them. And if you teach anything else, we're going to come all over you. What do you think about that idea? Absolutely. I, and I said it way back. I said, there needs to be cameras. When I saw what I saw, now they, they started putting them on the school buses. That way they could see. Oh, they are on the buses now? They are on the on, buses? On some of them. Is but then right? I've, had friend, I've had friends that have been in, the children have been in altercations, yeah. and yeah. then the school would refuse to show them the tape. 
So what yeah. was the point? It was really to protect the bus driver, I guess, is what yeah. the sense. Well, I think we're going to play this game. Let's kids. put let's put cams everywhere. Let's put everywhere. them in the let's put them in the bathrooms, Carl. What the hell? Yeah, we're, that's we're, right. right. Then we'll we just then we, yeah. Then we catch the boys smoking in the boys' room. Yeah. So that, there you go. But but it needs to be there because the things I saw in school would just oh my god. I would say over and over, and I put this on Twitter. I said if one parent a day. You know what? You know, there's 2000 kids in the school. So that's 2000 parents. If one parent a day would go to school, mm -hmm. just one parent a day would go to the school as a visitor right. and see what's going on. It would change so quickly, so quickly. You know, and I asked that question five years ago, Carl, to people and I exactly what you said. And they would always I said to them, well, why did we give the whole education system and the indoctrination of our kids over to the Marxist left? And then we expected a different result. And the answer I got back from some very notable conservatives, they would say to me, well, that's because we're busy out working and we're busy uh, building our businesses, uh, you know, capitalism kind of thing. Oh, oh, OK, cool, cool, cool. And now you want to complain to me that we're losing our grip here and that the generation is going to hell in a handbag, that the fact that there's no more control. Our kids have been indoctrinated. The left owns everything. And we say, we don't like these kids. We want to play. I mean, it's like, and now you say, why do you call them wine little bitches, Malcolm? Well, what are they exactly? Kathy, you want to answer any of that? Kath, let's bring you in here, man. What do you think? Am I, am I being too harsh or do I have a point? <laughs> you know I want to answer that. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I'd go a step further and have the parents put the cameras uh, in all the schools and <laughs> and let's and while we're at it let's throw a couple cameras on uh, congress members oh i like that idea you know turn them on the government themselves but i want to go back to something interesting okay. that you said that the uh, the social media oligarchs took a chance they took a risk and that's how we kind of look at it that hey you know they're private companies they took the risk but I want to get the, everybody to start thinking a little different way. What about if this is something that was plotted all along? Mm -hmm. I mean, from the very beginning as a way to keep us all busy with all these shiny objects mm. uh, with the intention of getting us to the point where they've got us now. Keep talking, Kathy. Because truly... You know, it's all really uh, look at what uh, just a decade ago they were uh, they were turning this Section 215 uh, it, 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 from the Patriot Act against the Internet companies back then, but also against AT&T and the uh, the phone companies. And there's a program called PRISM where the NSA basically oh, yeah. says this is what they can do. But even as far back as. I think about 10 years ago. Yeah, it was about 10 years ago where the all the Googles and the Facebook, they were saying, hey, we, you know, we're not doing this, though. We're not turning this information over to the intel agencies. No, no, no. We're protecting our uh, our customers. Well, we know now that's not true. And as a matter of fact, the I was just reading about uh Back in January, Senator Mark Warren, he basically gave a mandate to the DOJ to start gathering evidence about those that were at the Capitol. And um, there's a program apparently on extremism at George Washington University, even back then, that said these criminal complaints that are being filed right now, uh, uh, 92 of them, 78 percent. Uh, the social media was referenced in 78% of those 
cases. So it's being used extensively. And to get back to your question about why, what is all this leading to? Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming very apparent by the targets in these cases, which are all uh, patriots, basically people on that are in, in disagreement with the left. And that's a very, very scary thing. They are actually, they, they're really weaponizing this whole thing. So uh, we have to be really careful here because, and, and I believe that's what is going to be coming out in, um, in Trump's lawsuit. I hope so. And I hope that Wallace is wrong because the, the lead, the lead uh, attorney on this case was the one who won against big tobacco. I saw him on just this morning talking about how everybody thought we'd lose against big tobacco back when it was being. Is that right? That's the lead attorney. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting on that. Uh, And, and uh, Trump just came out with a, an opinion piece today. I don't know if anybody saw it in the wall street journal all about this, Mm-hmm. this big tech lawsuit and 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 he is personalizing it which i think is incredibly important and he in this opinion piece mm-hmm. he talks about three personal cases where people uh regular americans were extremely harmed by this censorship and by being harmed i mean physically just about because one of them is a matter of fact who was censored uh, because she was questioning about masks, mandatory masks for children. Well, later her brother went missing and she couldn't even use Facebook to get the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. was uh, that was one of those cases. But and another one, um, uh, a husband and wife lost their 21 year old son in a fatal collision caused by a, an illegal alien who was deported twice. And they were censored after posting hmm. about border security and immigration. So this is going to be an incredibly interesting revelation, I think, to the American people when all this gets in. So I do agree also with Carl that it may well be just the exposure enough that is going to bring the big tech to ruination by the American people. Well, oh, that's uh, that's interesting thought. I mean, would the exposure be enough to do that? Uh, the challenge is the media doesn't report anything they don't want to report. Uh, as you say, everything is twisted the way they want it to be. And it's because we've given up ownership of all these things. Uh, the patri- patriots have, conservatives, uh, constitutionalists have. And we've allowed them to run, uh, uh, you know, ramroaders down the road here. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm particularly concerned, um, big picture-wise, when you see where this is all going. And, you know, we make fun of things, Wallace, like body cams and joke a little bit you know, about body cams and stuff. And, uh, but, you know, I wonder sometimes if we shouldn't use the medicine and give it back to the left in big doses and call them out, Wallace, you know, call them out and use big doses and say, you know, you want a body cam, we'll give you a body cam. You know, Kathy says, put them on congressional members. I mean, you know, at some point, I guess, put none of this sounds really good, but fighting fire with fire is almost getting out to the point of where we need to be. Uh, the cases now where we being where we are being called out, where patriots are being called out, and like she said, the mask deal or the vaccine deal or any story at all that they don't like. You couldn't talk about election fraud. You couldn't talk about Russian conspiracy. You couldn't talk about all of these things. These people are beyond being publishers. I mean, they are definitely putting their hand on the heavy scale here. 
uh, and the collaboration of government that that is in place. But how we showcase that and what happens, I think people are thinking this case is going to get to the Supreme Court, Wallace, and they're going to have to make some decisions. And I guess, are we at that point now where as a country, as a people, we're going to have to really be, do the honorable thing, call this all out and say, this is what it's got to be. I mean, this somebody's going to become a hero here in all of this, no? Somebody's going to have to become a hero in all of this, whether that's going to be Donald Trump, whether it's going to be Ron DeSantis, or whether it's going to be uh, Edward Snowden. Somebody is, is, is going to have to. Somebody's going to have to step up and, and just not just somebody, some people. I think uh, a lot of people are going to have to stand up and say, you know, we've, we've given enough and enough is enough. It, it stops here. It goes no further. All right. So uh, we'll see how that plays out just ahead. I mean, through this suit and everything that's going to be placed. You know, you mentioned a moment ago, Kathy, too. I just want to mention you and uh, Carl and, and Wallace. Get me a meeting or get him on the show here, please. The head, the head attorney, you say there, please. Uh, that one big tobacco. That's that's a fascinating conversation. Uh, and I think a lot of people really believe and understand what we're dealing with right now. And, and Wallace, to the point of what we're talking about, we're, we're at a landmark moment. And this will be, uh, I, I think, potentially, it should be a landmark case, just as we've had before when we fought these things in our country. But it's, I mean, and I don't even remember, maybe you remember, Wallace, with some of these other big fights we've had, like, it seems to me, my gut tells me we're further down the road with this one, that it, like we're almost past that point now of no return. That's what I'm guessing. I'm wondering because of the ownership of, and it's not just one, it's not like breaking up Ma Bell as big of a deal as that was. These people, there's a lot of Ma Bells here and they're controlling all of these and their little fiefdoms that they have there. You know what I'm saying? You know? Well, yeah, and it's, it's actually worse than that. There's an economic concept called network effects, which is uh, if, if, if you have something like a Facebook, yeah. what you have on Facebook that is valuable isn't Facebook. It's not the technology. It's not the like button. It's that there are billions of people there. The network is what they're selling. And, yeah. and network effects are essentially a monopoly. It's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to compete with that. The only way really to compete with Facebook is to wait until something else makes Facebook obsolete with, with technology that invariably will someday happen. But, you know, in the meantime, you, know, you got to live to get there. And, and there's yeah. no guarantee that our country is going to be able to live to get to the point where these technology firms are obsolete. Yeah, that's that's it right there, brother. That's it. That, that puts the argument in perspective, because the reason there's no guarantee is because now they have their hand in elections, they have their hand in elections. They've got their, if you go back to just the 2020 race and, and before the 2020 race, I'm suggesting, and this is a conversation we should have everybody because they're not hiding it. They came right out in the light of day and said that they were gonna do what they were gonna do. And some of those, a lot of those talking points in those videos, I've seen them where the powers be, I mean, Google was on record of saying that. In fact, they said right after the loss that Trump had, that, that Hillary lost that election to Trump, they're right on record. Go back and look, people. And they said that we should have, we, they took fault for it, in fact, and were crying in their you know, puddles of liberal blood. And they were crying and saying, we should have never let this happen. 
and they guaranteed it would never happen to the next election. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? Right? It happened. And, and so they knew that they took their, you know, that the, the pendulum was swinging, in other words, the other way when Trump was elected and patriots got a hold of the, uh, uh, the government for a few minutes, you know. You got to remember all that happened after, you know, 30 years of a big government buildup of Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, 30, 30 years of a government buildup in Washington, 30 years a big government globalist thinking, spending as much as you can spend, a, like a, a drunken barroom brawl in Washington, D.C. 30 years topped off with Barack Obama with his eight nasty years of hope and change. He was hoping like hell he could change America into a Marxist nation. That's what his hope and change policy was about. So 30 years later, and then Trump comes along and, he, you know, he, he, we got four years of turmoil for the conservative movement. And it, there's something wicked about this whole thing. And, and Wallace, speak about what I put out there right now. And you know what's really ironic and, and kind of strange is in a weird sort of way, they never they didn't take a conservative hero. You know, there, there was a reason Trump had to give that list of Supreme Court justices because Republicans didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. They were, listen, they didn't trust him to go past go, collect 200. They didn't trust him with anything. And I said, you give us the list, Jack, and we'll tell you if we even want to play. And, you, and they, they pushed him, the Republican establishment. Well, because Trump was a Democrat for most of his life. He was playing with everybody. He played with it, but he was also, I mean, he was a Democrat for many, many years. A very unlikely, uh, unlikely conservative hero. And everybody knew that and thought, you know, but, but look at, but listen, again, now listen to what I put out here a minute here. Think of back of the conservative heroes the Republican Party has put up over the last many years. People like John McCain. Oh, yeah, yeah, real conservative dude, you know? I mean, Mitt Romney. Oh, yeah, yeah, the picture of conservatism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look at the kind of people we put up. Bush. The, and, and, you know, you, you see all of that in the recipe of what it is. And, and then all of this, I mean, it's just, it's so in your face right now of what I can see. And... I think the power grab is very clear. And as we were all in denial for what was taking place, I think it's so very clear right this moment. And Trump was the cancer that came in that upset the whole apple cart. And he did it not in a, not in a particularly uh, casual way. He did it. He, you know what he did, uh, Wallace? He tormented them on Twitter. And I would cringe every time he would piss on the left in the way that he did. And he would put names out there. And I think a lot of that tormenting really empowered the left and it empowered the Republicans as well to say, this guy's a cancer. We got to get him out of there. Now, a lot of people are not going to like what I just said. Can you can you push back on anything I just said or is that accurate? Well, I, actually, I think I can illustrate what you just said with by, by illustrating a, a very absurd contradiction that the Democrats expect us to believe. On the one hand, the Democrats say that Donald Trump, all Republicans, and a good number of Democrats, really everybody in the country who, who is, is, is not a part of critical race theory, is evil, racist, vile, and terrible people that, that we, we need to take their voice away. They can't speak in the public sphere. We, 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 need to, we need to banish them. And then on the other hand, they say, oh, and we believe in democracy and we believe in having valid votes. Well, if you believe the American people are these horrendous racists that, that should have no say in the public sphere, why the hell would you trust democracy? 
you know, it's absurd that they could believe that the American people these evil monsters on the one hand and then believe that we should give the American people the right to choose our leaders on the other. You, it, it, anybody who believes the Democrats believe both of those positions is absolutely insane. They have to be believe one or the other because you now even even with with postmodernism where they don't believe in logic. You can only stretch it so far before it breaks. And, and you know, that's so far beyond the breaking point. If Americans are evil, of course you would not. What, what the Democrats are doing, what they did in 2020, and what they're going to try to do in the future, is they're going to try to determine who we would elect, were we worthy of having a democracy, and they're going to impose that person upon us on the assumption that that's who we would have elected, were we worthy of having a choice. And, and that's not democracy. That's, that's, I don't know what that is. That's, that's, it's not really dictatorship because they change who the guy on the top is. You know, it, when, when, when you finally can't stand uh, Uncle Bernie or weekend at Bernie's or whatever, and you finally can't stand that guy up anymore. Oh, now Nancy Pelosi's in charge. So it, it's a round robin thing. But, but understand there's a force behind this. And in, in China, I don't know if you saw that video, it's been floating around, but China actually, they had a, an economic professor that gave a speech to a bunch of, of bigwigs in China. And he said, you know, we're in charge of this. He said, we control Wall Street. Wall Street controls the government. We couldn't control Trump, but hey, we've got Biden on the hook and he's in charge of it. It came right out and said it. I saw that it floored me because I've been talking about that now for a couple of years. And all of a sudden they come out and say, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. It blows my mind, Malcolm. I, I, I'm beside myself with it. And, and you know, you talked about, are we at that turning point? Is it, is, is it too far yet? Is, is, is there still a chance to turn it back? Well, there is. But what I think we need to understand is that if you can make 40 percent of the public believe in a falsehood, if you can make 40 percent of the public believe that we, we, you know, critical race theory, all of this terrible country, whatever, 20 percent of the public may be against it. 40 percent of the public don't care one way or the other. They just want to get up, live their daily lives and be left alone. And, and what we have to do is we have to convince that apathetic 40 percent of Americans, you're not going to be left alone. They're coming for you. And you better join with us because half the country's gone. Yeah, that's that's exactly it right there. It's my message every day, Wallace Garneau, is my message every day to the American people is to bring in the independents and the moderates and the left of center Democrats, bring them in to the tent called America, uh, called patriotism, and bring them into that tent. It's okay to have a different uh, system. It's okay to have different viewpoints. It's okay to, you know, diversity is alive and well. It's, it's okay to think differently. Uh, it's okay. Uh, that's uh, that's an American uh, privilege. Uh, and we all don't want to think alike. We all don't want to be alike or look alike or any of that. That's nonsense. Yet they're using that against us. And I'm afraid we played right into their hand. I'm speaking about, uh, the, the, certainly the Republican establishment has played right into their hands. But remember, the Republican establishment is also mixed in with a lot of whiners. Uh, and they're also people on the left who call themselves Republicans, you call them rhinos out there, Republican in name only, I get it. But they are, they call themselves Republicans just as much as the Democrat party has the far left extremists. <clears throat> you know, they have the, um, uh, the, the Marxist unit, which have strong armed them at this point and taken over the Democrat party, which is no longer the, what, what we would recognize. Both parties are having, the, both political parties are having challenges to the likes of uh, that could uh, conclude with the ending of that party. And that's happened before in our nation. Political parties have gone up and blown up and gone away and others have taken their place. It's not unprecedented at all. 
And I think we're at that moment with our political landscape here. And I, I've been calling out the left and thinking they're on the back end of that for several years now. But truth be told, the right is in the same position because Trump came in and he shook that whole establishment up, uh, certainly for the Republican establishment as well, which is why a lot of Republicans didn't buy into uh, the Billy Crystals and that whole establishment didn't buy into Trump. Uh, you know, those kinds of people, and there's a ton of them actually. And they never, they never, you know, um, ate his brand of politics that he was pushing. And so we never did have a connectivity there uh, in unity in the Republican voices. And that's why I don't use the word Republican a lot when I speak about myself or my own values. I don't, I don't use the word Republican ever. You, you never hear me say that. First of all, I don't like the labeling of all of it. I'm a patriot first and foremost, and a constitutionalist uh, first and foremost, and a God-loving American first and foremost, and somebody who will stand for our nation first and foremost. All of those things are what I am. And whatever that means, I'm happy to go down that yellow brick road with you any day of the week, my friends. No question. I have no qualms or issues standing, putting my flag and stake in the ground and say, this is my land, this is my space, this is my freedom. And I think our ancestors have done that before to defend this American experiment. I also think the war now is on our shores here in America officially. We are at war. We are at war with each other. Uh, we are at war in a big way with the oligarchs, uh, with the political establishment. Nobody has claimed yet we're at war, but we are at war. We'll take it all up, friends, just after the pause here. You're listening to the voice of a nation. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. So if I ask you the question out there, honestly speaking, 
uh, all things being fair, not not being verbose or being overly uh, entertaining here or funny or anything else. A real question, looking at all the things we have in the way right now and the uh, what's got to be fixed in America here. Where are we 20 years from now with what's taken place? Uh, wh where really are we? Are we too far gone? Uh, how do we fix this? Kathy Chamberlain, are we too far gone? How do we, how do, what do we look like 20 years? For, if I mentioned an elevator somewhere, said Kathy Chamberlain, do we have a shot at this thing over the next 20 years or is America toast? What do you say? Well, you know, I've written about Venezuela quite a bit and that's all we need to look towards to see where we're going to be. They started their decline in 1998 and it didn't take them long. And that's without the explosion of the, uh, of the social media like we have today. So things are moving at a much more rapid pace than it did for them. But I think the real telling sign is going to be, well, you know, Wallace talked about 2030. I'll, I'll leave that one for him to, to talk about. We're looking at eight years, but I, I'm not a pessimist. So I don't want to say we're too far gone because there's always a chance to turn things around. And uh, but you think but, that you think things are dire. I think they're very dire. Yes, I, I definitely do. I believe that if 2022 is a repeat of 2020 elections, we're toast. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a warning sign, as you're pointly say, you're coming into 2020. People felt if we lost that election, we would be toast as well. You, like many patriots and like myself, included Kathy, are optimists, really, aren't we now? You know, um, we have to be. If if I wasn't an optimist, I wouldn't be still in the fight at the local level because I am just spending twenty four seven on at the local level. That's where we all need to be right now. That's right. That's right. In election integrity, uh, canvassing, yeah. going out there and finding out how many how many. Uh, fake votes there are, are out there, and I'm in what they consider a relatively safe precinct, but the more I find out, the more dire it looks even where I'm at. So if everybody's not doing something right now, they've got nothing to complain about. We, we really, truly all need to feel like this is the last hurrah. That is an important message you put right there right now about uh, uh, the local level. Every, see, everybody thinks Uncle, uh, big government, Uncle Sam, D.C., they're too big, uh, britches wise, and that, uh, you know, uh, that um, uh, anything might happen, that uh, we might, uh, what do you call it, we might, uh, uh, you know, that we can't fix change, we can't make a difference. Uh, that's what people think. And uh, we can make a difference. And that's what uh, we have to understand. So it is, you know, it's, there's optimism, there's pessimism, everybody's different. And then there's being a realist as well. What are the stakes right now? Uh, Carl, uh, I always find you uh, a bit of a pessimist. Uh, if I'm down in a bad mood, you're, you're, you know, I go have a conversation with you. Unless you know I really need you to pick me up, you're probably not the kind of guy I'm going to meet if I'm really having a bad day to pick my ass <laughs> up. You're a bit of a pessimist, aren't you? Yes, but, you know, I, I refer to myself as the optimistic pessimist because now, now, hold a minute. You're sounding like a you're sounding like a Marxist liberal when you say that. You're doing double talk. Now, come on. Exactly. But what I what I'm saying is, like Kathy, I I have high high hopes for America. But yeah. we can't just sit back. 
I, I got to say this. When I, when I was a young boy, I couldn't figure out, and I learned about the Holocaust. And I would ask myself over and over, you know, quietly, because you're scared to ask the teacher, you're scared. Why did all these people, you know, allow themselves to get marched into the ovens, allow themselves to be taken, you know, 8 million people, 6 million Jews, whatever. And so I got to researching it later in life. And it was more of a psych psychological a warfare that was going out with the people. The, their, their fate was so horrific, they couldn't think about it. They couldn't deal with it. They, so that's what I feel is going on with our people today. We, are, we live such a comfortable life. We live such a great life. I mean, look at our kids and, and, and look how comfortable they are. I mean, they can't get in the car without air conditioning. They can't sit in the school without air conditioning. They can't go to church without air conditioning. You know, everything is just perfect for them. You know, their clothes are perfect. Their hair is perfect. Their phones are perfect. And we didn't have this 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. We didn't have this. You know, a mother had to actually peel potatoes and, and do things like that. You know, we don't do that anymore. We throw it in the microwave five minutes. We, we raised them this way, though, Carl. We raised and them we this have, way. And yeah. we have. And yeah. I see it with my own children. And yeah. then what you said earlier, you know, I said, no. I'm not worried about us in 20 years that might still be alive. I'm worried about my children and my grandchildren, Malcolm. The same as Kathy is, the same as Wallace is, and everybody listening to this program. We're worried about it. This is not about us. This is about our children and our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And if we don't fight like hell, the way Kathy is saying, on the local level, that's what we got to do. And that's what you do every day. And, and God bless you for it, Malcolm. That's what you do every day on your show. Yeah. That's what these people do. That's what Wallace does writing and Kathy, you know. Um, yeah. We got to yeah. keep talking. You know, that's why I did not get off of Twitter and everyone said, oh, I'm bailing on Twitter as soon as the election's over. I said, no, I'm going to stay. You know, yes, they keep me shadow banned. Yes, they keep me censored. But you know what? I'm going to fight, fight, fight. I'm going to keep reposting your articles and Kathy's articles and yeah. Wallace's articles. And, and I'm going to keep up the fight as long as I can keep up the yeah. fight. That's yeah, what we've got to do. We have to be where the action is, Carl. I, I told that same message to many people that, uh, you know, you have to be where the enemy is as well. Uh, but again, what's happening is they're sitting on these platforms and they block everybody that has a diverse opinion different from theirs. We sit in these vacuums, these areas of uh, where we we're only want to associate with like-minded people. And that's a real problem and a cancer I'm seeing in a lot of walks of life. And it's not just me, it's not just this generation, it's even our kids. I hear it from my own teenagers, you know, it's it's just, it's built into the cake. Why is that, Wallace, why is that so built into the cake here uh, about, um, you know, we only wanna be with like-minded people because I'm even seeing it with my teenagers themselves where we don't, we're not comfortable around the opposing viewpoints, you know? Why is that? I don't know that that's necessarily even the case, Malcolm. I know when I was when I was young, I used to enjoy debating people who disagreed with me. Uh, I was very big on the debate team in high school. And I really enjoyed okay. just having disagreements with people. And I found that there were a lot of people out there that back then enjoyed the same thing. I think that the concept of disagreement being a bad thing is relatively new in American history. And, and I think if you look historically, what you see is that uh, democratic republics have had historically have had a shelf life of about 200 years. And I think what we find is that when people go from slavery to freedom or serfdom to freedom, they're rapidly free. 
uh, they are very distrusting of all of those things that had held them down for so long that they're very rapidly free. Other children tend to follow that and the grandchildren maybe a little bit less. And then over time, what I think happens is people start with freedom comes responsibility. If you're a free person, you also have to support yourself. It comes with responsibility. And so people don't like the responsibility side of freedom. And what, ha what seems to happen over generations, and it seems to take generally about 200 and some odd years, is the desire not to have responsibility starts to override the desire to be free. And, and you know, there's an old saying, Will Duran actually said in, uh, in, in, in the story of civilization, volume one, he said, an enslaved people dream of freedom, but a free people dream of chains. And there's a lot of truth in that. And I think what happens is once society gets to the point where it's dreaming of chains again, well, to get there, you have to silence the voices of those who still want to be free. And I think that 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 to, to to maintain freedom, to maintain liberty, to maintain what our country has been, we have to get the public to commit to another 200 years of that. Because I, I think that's it does seem to be about a 200 year shelf life, and and we're well beyond it. So if we're going to maintain it, we have to convince the public that that they want to be free again. And and I don't know how you do that, but but it seems to be the the desire to control others, to be controlled, to have security rather than freedom, that is is trying to shut down dissent and that is making the the new American uh message that, that you can only speak if you say what you were approved to say. What you're approved to say, yeah. You you um you you hit the core of the problem uh right there. Uh, the core of the problem being how do we convince uh, Americans that they want to be free, right? How do we convince them uh, that we don't want to be in chains, we don't want to be in slavery? Um, and this takeover that's happening on a global level, uh, and it's a cancer that is eating us out uh, from the inside out, uh, I, what's happened is some of the extremists, the Marxist left extremists, they're using people that are sort of ignorant to it as well, Wallace. There's a lot of ignorant people that I don't, I don't even think they realize the harm they're doing. Uh, I'm guessing now. I, I, I think that's the case in some cases. But yet they sort of been brainwashed. A lot of people have been taken over from this movement about somehow, like if you're pro-American, you're that or you're this, or if you love the constitution or you stand for the flag, you're that. The Marxist left have been very successful at taking this country apart already. Playing to the narrative you just talked about with a couple of, couple of hundred years of being a successful democracy here, this representative republic is in a heap of trouble uh, because we're losing control. The indoctrination has already happened over the last 30 years plus. Uh, they have filtered in and own all of this uh, megaphone stuff that talks to the people. The people haven't a clue, Wallace, of what's really, a lot of them don't have a clue of what's going on. And the patriots are fighting with every last gasp to hang on to an America that is slowly but surely slipping away. And so without an action plan, back to what you're suggesting now. So how, I guess, why don't we take our, why don't we take this moment now uh, and Wallace, building on what you just said, let's take this moment to talk about an action plan, because I think if that's a grassroots movement thing, and this could be the best. So listen, we we can do this in the next few minutes. We can sit and just gripe and bitch and whine, and and that's not difficult to do. Uh, but uh, or we could take it and be productive as a group and say, okay, 
Uh, so if we want to change the outcome from 20 years from now, how do we do that? Let's grab, let's, uh, we'll create a bulleted list from this action plan. Um, and uh, Wallace, uh, let's start right there. So what are some of the things we can do as a people, as, as, a, as a collective now, as patriots, what can we do? And what can people out there listen and really do as I an action Mal plan, make the difference? I think, Malcolm, you're actually already doing that. I think America Out Loud is, is a big part of that. I think other conservative voices that are out there in the public sphere, that's what it takes. What we have to do is we have to take the 40% of Americans that just want to be left alone to live their everyday lives, and we need to shake them a little bit and say, look, if you want to be left alone, you're on our side. And if we can do that, if we can take the apathetic Americans and make them patriotic Americans, if we can convince them, you know, I know you want to go along to get along, but you can't do that anymore. You got to pick a side. They're going to pick our side. But I, I don't know how you deliver that jolt to them. But it's like that, that old saying about a, a frog in a, in a pot. You turn up the, the, the heat slowly and it, it, it just stays in the pot. Yeah, And they well, don't know that right now. They don't know the pot's hot. Maybe maybe the answer is that we turn up the, the heat a lot faster. I, I don't know. I don't know how you. Well, that's where that I was choice. going earlier when I was sarcastic and talking about the cams on everybody. You know, let's give them their own medicine back, uh, Wallace. Right. You know, and yeah. demand that cams are put on all the teachers and all the congressional. I mean, that's like, wow. I just made a note here, Wallace. You're uh, talking about grassroots in America Out Loud and the work that. Yeah, we are really fighting on the front lines here for everything that's so important for our country. But the note below, I made that is on messaging, messaging. Uh, that's something the left has been brilliant on that I talk about all the time. So you're thinking, are, in order to capture that, what did you say, 40%? Is that what you said, 40%? Yeah, about 40%. Okay, so we can capture some part, we may not capture all of it, but if we can capture some part of that 40% of the population that has what, turned the channel off, right? Well, yeah, they basically turned the channel, they never turned the channel on. You know, most people just want to get up and live the, the the thing that Democrats have or that liberals have that we don't is, is we believe in personal freedom and personal freedom is a distributed thing. Everybody is in charge of their own lives. It's, it's distributed. You're allowed to think what you want. You're allowed to do what you want. Right. You're responsible for it, but you know, it's distributed. It's, it, we were giving the power down to the masses. And, and so there's, there's no central focus going up. Uh, it's, it's each person believing their own thing. Uh, the liberals don't do it that way. The liberals say, here's our message and you better adhere to it. And it, be, because of that, it's, it's a more unifying sort of, you know, they all believe the same thing. And that gives them a huge advantage over us because you can leverage that just by telling them what that thing is. Whereas in, 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 for, for a conservative, you know, we don't always agree on everything. We're a very distributed, independently minded group. Uh, it goes into uh, what, what I call virtue signaling. Virtue signaling is not just wearing a mask or an armband. It's a process of indoctrinating the public by making them think that their virtue or lack of a virtue comes with either agreeing with or disagreeing with the correct political positions. So you say these political positions are good and disagreement with them is evil. And you make people associate their, so, their, their self-value, their self-worth based upon believing in those things. If you can get somebody to think that believing in liberal ideology makes them a good person, that they will never switch off of liberal ideology because doing so would make them a bad person in their view. Yeah. Yeah, making the public overthink the argument. Uh, I, I, again, projectionism at their best. That's something the left is so good at. Uh, they package everything so sweet and clean and flush it out there to the public. Uh, the message into the 40% of the population is so important. I feel like there's something there that we need to play in. Let's open this up a little bit now. Kathy, Carl, let's open it up a little bit. And uh, um, 
who can speak to, let's add to this list of virtue signaling, making the public overthink the arguments. Uh, your, uh, your thoughts, uh, Carl? Well, my thoughts is, like I said, uh, and what Kathy's saying, we're polarized. Everybody has to be in this group or they have to be in this group now. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't matter how nice I am. I could be so nice to somebody of a different thought process, but that doesn't guarantee that they're going to be nice back to me. And I've seen this over and over and over again. Uh, I just recently got back from Washington, D.C. And boy, did I learn something. It's like some people never grow up. You know, like I said about Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan, I said, boy, that was the biggest bunch of sour grapes. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't stand the fact that along comes Trump. He is not a politician. And they're going, wow, we've been in this, we've been in this, uh, this deal for years of being a politician. And here in walks this guy and just takes over the place and wins against us. Yeah. They couldn't deal with that. So I also saw that in Washington, D.C. I saw the Democrats and Republicans couldn't even look at each other walking down the hall. And they would look at me. They would, I wore a suit. They could look at me. They can smell a conservative just when I can smell a liberal. And you're walking down the hall. Or they knew I was coming from, you know, a Republican senator's office uh, by the direction I was coming from or going to. We had to be escorted uh, everywhere we went. We had to have an escort. It's, it's like uh, in the people's so house, scary. by the way, in the people's house. It was so scary. I took pictures. I, I couldn't believe, you know, I was there when my son was in the hospital at Walter Reed. I was there, you know, 10 years ago yeah. in the wintertime. There were more visitors in Washington, D.C. in the wintertime, in the cold, and it happened to snow that year, than there was this time. I was so shocked. It, it was like walking the streets at night. My son and I walked the streets at night. We walked to the White House because I wanted to see if the lights really did go off. And by the way, they really do go off at 11 o'clock on the dot. Uh, but again, we're very polarized. It doesn't, didn't matter how nice I was to somebody and I also stayed at the Trump Hotel. I was very fortunate. What a place. But they knew, you know, oh, you're walking, you're walking out of the Trump Hotel. Mm. I don't like you. I'm not going to look at you. And, Wait, and that, was that how you felt, you mean? Or did somebody say that? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and all the people, people would not even make eye contact. That, and you knew, you knew. And it's, it, it, I, I saw the police getting attacked by, you know, certain uh, ethnic groups. I saw the police, not physically, but they would just get up and scream in their faces. There was police on every corner. If any street that led to the White House, any street that led to the Capitol, police officers were on the corner. There was two police officers, two police. There was, it was like guards. It's like, well, have you ever been on a military base? Yeah. DC is now like a military They've base. militarized the whole thing They've up They've militarized yeah. the whole thing. And we yes. see that. And like you say, there is a part of it's like a ghost town, and then there's very limited, and then... It is ironic what Carl's saying, because then you're in the people's house and yet you're it's like, you know, you can't do anything without an armed guard or something. You know, you've got people everywhere. A lot of those rules change. But Pelosi was responsible for initiating a lot of these new rules, Carl. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Absolutely. And you she don't did. feel welcome. No, that you don't feel you don't. That's perfectly said. You don't feel welcome. But the difference, Malcolm, is it was so polarized, just like Kathy said. I mean, yeah. OK, so here's. Here's these gay and transgender flags. Now, that's okay if you're for that. That's fine. But why are they hanging? Why are they hanging in Senate offices? Why are they hanging? You know, this one, the people I went and visited, they had the American flag hanging outside their office. And then you had these other senators and congressmen with the gay flag, the transgender flag, uh, BLM flag, hanging outside the offices. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And I said, no, this isn't, this isn't a place for that. This is America. The, the American flag should be hanging here. Hey, Carl. That's it. 
M, uh, Marjorie uh, Green, MTG there. Uh, what is the sign she has outside her room again? Do you remember? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It says there are only two genders, male and female. Trust <laughs> the science. That's what trust, it says. Trust the science. I love and it. Then, and then she's plastered. The whole hallway is plastered with letters from constituents that, that sent letters to her. You know, and I asked, I asked one of her, her, uh, her assistants there. I said, now do you post any of the negative letters? She goes, no, we just, no, we, we got the good letters, you know? And so they just wallpapered it. Well, yeah, yeah. her, her fellow Congresswoman across the hall yeah. with the transgender flags and everything, I found out from, from her assistant, he said, she actually went to whoever, maybe Pelosi and said, you've got to move my office. I can't, I can't be across the hall from this woman. I can't. And by the way, I got a wonderful picture of us yesterday in the mail that yeah. she sent me and she autographed, you know, Lovely. thanks for visiting Carl. Lovely. I mean, yeah. we were treated, we were treated yeah. by, because we were all Republican, by the senators and the Congress people that I met, we were treated like royal. Well, you were treated like, you know, like it should be, uh, that uh, they recognized that you were the boss. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, so they, and that's what you would do. You would honor our fellow Americans in such a way. You know, MTG is sort of really representative of the movement, isn't she, Carl? You know, very interesting. She, uh, she is. You know, representative of you and I and millions of other people who are not going to tolerate this and are pushing back on, and you got to love her sarcasm. Listen to the science. There are only two genders. Scientifically, she is correct. Now, that's not <laughs> what they want to talk about. But, but wait, I have to say one thing about that, Malcolm. Yes, So. Yes, Okay, so she's she's very close to Trump. Yeah. You know, Trump Trump brings her up, and she she knows yeah. Trump very well. She's a pistol. She's a pistol. She's a pistol, and I love her. And she's yeah. I'm her constituent. I'm in District right. Court here in Georgia, and I'm her constituent. Right. So I, you know, I said, hey, uh, Miss Green, um, I said, you know, it's a shame. I've been trying to take you to lunch, trying to get a hold of you, and I had to come all the way to D.C. just to see you. And she laughed. Yeah. And, and she's very down to earth person, very. Very gracious. She person. then said, uh, "Shut the hell up, Carl. Sit down and yeah, talk yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. Knock it off, will you?" Right. right, right. And she, she's very down earth, very, like I said, she very much loves the country, very much is a fighter, mm. yeah. which we need. And, yeah. and and so is Marsha Blackburn. I was just, you know, yeah, Marsha, Marsha, she's good. Marsha Blackburn. I, I uh, loved meeting her. I, I'm I looking forward to uh, rubbing elbows with MTG. I want to get her on the broadcast here. Uh, she's an interest- I'm trying. I'm working she's on She's an it. interesting people for interesting times. Uh, it, which brings me to a, a question I want to ask you all as we kind of tie everything up tight here, guys. Uh, and uh, so, all right, here's what comes to my mind. And uh, you take MTG. Uh, Kathy, um, let me ask you this question, please. MTG and Donald Trump, they're a certain brand of politician. They're pushing back on the establishment. They do it in a certain way. They're not gentle about the conversation. So when you look at the style of an MTG or the style of a DJT, and it plays to Wallace's conversation about pulling another 40% in. I just want to ask you straight out. Is that the right strategy, in your opinion, of where we should go as a movement, as people? Do we, you know, push back hard and piss on the cornflakes, as we say? Or do we uh, begin to take a different approach? Do you know what I'm asking you? Yeah, taking the different approach is what put us here in the first place. We're right now in a rush for truth. It's like, what is going to beat out first? Is it going to be getting the truth out or is it going to be the left's big lies? Okay, that's what we're looking at right now. Just take, for example, the vaccines. You know, are we going to find out 
the death rate before the left has a chance to give us all booster shots or force us all to, that's what's going to determine whether we win this in the end. Or but do not. we do, all right, do we do that in a verbose way? Do we do that in a very inflammatory way or not? Or what? I mean, is that the answer you think it is? Well, first we have to understand what is inflammatory. We only are being told that Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene are inflammatory because the left is telling us that. Are they really inflammatory? No, they're really just getting us the truth. And but the way they're being uh, targeted, portrayed, the way they're being portrayed. right? Correct. Yeah. It's it's like right. we have so many useful idiots that so many people just go with what the left says. And in order to wake us up before this, that we lose our country, okay. we need many more like Marjorie Taylor Greene. OK, I, I, I mean, all right. and, and, I, all right. I, I, I can tell you somebody very close to me just uh, started questioning the uh, the vaccines. He got one. Uh, as much as I tried to talk him out of it. And yet now he's questioning it because they're starting to talk about booster shots. Yeah. Now, there was a woman on um, on the war room this morning that was talking about the uh, investor sheets on Moderna mm -hmm. that actually say that they had planned booster shots. And this was a big plus for investors because it's not like a regular vaccine. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a residual, you know, it's well, a continuously yeah, uh, money making uh, venture. Yeah. Well, and, and not to go down the vaccine road because we don't have time. That's another conversation. But your point is rightfully so. They're up to no good, Kathy. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, up. my point, though, is that uh, will the 40 percent that Wallace talked about, will they wake up? before we lose our country. And the only way they will is if information like that is put out in a way that Marjorie Okay, Taylor all right, well, all right. So putting, putting information out is one thing. Putting it out, Wallace, what do you think about what Kathy's saying here? Uh, do, uh, please, do uh, putting information out is one thing. Do we, rub, I mean, are we rubbing their face in some of it when you get to the style of an MTG or a DJT? Well, I, I, I think, we, we kind of are, but I think what we have to understand is you, you said we need politicians like that. I think what we need to understand is that Donald Trump and, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're not politicians, they're statesmen. That's right. And, and, and so there's a very, very big difference between a politician and a statesman. There's actually a school of economics. This is a little, this would be a topic for another day. There's a whole school of economics called... Uh, called uh, public choice theory that talks about why politicians win elections rather than statesmen. What we need is to find a way to get statesmen in office. The people that love the country, that want to defend the country, that want to, to protect the country and do what's right for the country. You know, everybody talks about politicians do nothing. You know, the country does best with politicians do nothing. We don't want politicians right. to. The, the cold concept that we need to pass more laws and do more things at the federal level. No, that's the opposite of what we need. We yeah, need I love to, that. We need people that manage the country, that love the country, and that want it to stay, for the most part, what it's always been. Yeah, I, I love uh, the, the comparison you just put out there right now is absolutely perfect. Uh, statesmen versus politicians. You are exactly right. It's all back there at AmericaOutloud.com. It's time to get involved and get loud.